from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA, we continue our conversation about Russia and we take a look at the dirty side of the Kremlin. Subcontractors that don't work for the Russian government. Um, in some cases, those are Westerners. Those are Western, they, they, they employ Western um, ex-spies and ex-journalists and, and ex-investigators to work for them in Britain, in Washington, in Brussels. American-born British businessman Bill Browder says this is a part of the scheme to kill him. They probably spent about $50 million coming after me on, on outsiders. And I have no way of quantifying the, the insider stuff, but, but I, I would say that there's probably officials in at least 20 different countries um, in their foreign ministries and their spy agencies um, that are gathering information. You know the story about why. It's because of the Magnitsky Act. Well, for Bill Browder, it never stops. And on this program, the nightmare continues. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On June 20th, 2018, Interfax, Russia's state-run news outlet, reported the government was seeking its seventh red notice, looking for the arrest of hedge fund manager Bill Browder. Interpol asked for additional information, and the request eventually died, as it has six times in the past. The Kremlin is seeking custody of Browder allegedly because of his role in the U.S. law called the Magnitsky Act, which punishes Russia with sanctions for the murder of Sergei Magnitsky. Magnitsky was Browder's accountant and lawyer who discovered massive fraud and corruption in the Russian government that supposedly reached all the way to Vladimir Putin. Since that time in 2012, the Russian government has sought to overturn the law and to get custody of Browder. And after the June attempt, Russian Prosecutor General Yuri Chaika said, quote, We won't let Browder sleep peacefully. Browder joined Target USA to talk about these intensified efforts to capture him. Give us a sense of how much of an effort is being put forth to, to get you. Well, the, the, um, uh, there, there's a number of different um, things on the, in their portfolio to try to get me. It's, it starts with um, the illegal stuff, the death threats, the kidnapping threats. Um, and then it m moves its way into the um, abuse of the legal system in which um, Russia um, tries to have me arrested, um, extradited. Um, they, they, uh, the Russian government has got very... Uh, a number of different criminal cases opened up against me. Not surprisingly, Browder says the Kremlin has accused him of murdering Magnitsky and other crimes. Um, they've accused me of, of multiple other murders. They've accused me of being a CIA MI6 spy trying to take down the Russian government. 
And in all these cases, there's a number of people on the uh, on the prosecution and investigation teams cooking up fake evidence, applying to different countries for cooperation, uh, going to court in different countries. Um, it's a real full-time, fully resourced uh, um, effort by the Russian government to try to destroy me. So they probably know where you are. Is that correct? Uh, I'm pretty sure they do. It's not a secret where I am. I'm not in hiding by any means. So have you seen any evidence that they're actually physically present in your life? Yeah, all the time. I mean, so we, we, we've caught them surveilling my office. We, we, we sometimes um, uh, uh, use counter surveillance techniques and have filmed people surveilling the office. Um, when I'm when I'm at um, different events, making public speeches, you can easily spot the um, uh, Russian FSB agents in the crowd. They're usually the ones who who are not um, who are not um, having an emotional reaction to to my speech when I talk about the murder of Sergei Magnitsky. Um, uh, they're 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 everywhere. They're, there's a lot of money being spent and a lot of people involved. Give me a sense of how much money you believe, if you have an idea. Uh, if not, then maybe a ballpark um, idea of 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 the global reach of this this organization. You've you've said already that they're in every country doing things, but give me a sense of the the person power. Well, uh, so so the the way that I would describe it is is that there's two types of monies being spent. There's actual money being spent on on subcontractors that don't work for the Russian government. Um, in some cases, those are Westerners. Those are Western. They 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 employ. Western um, ex-spies and ex-journalists and, and ex-investigators to work for them in Britain, in Washington, in Brussels. And, um, and then there's a lot of stuff that's being done under the official banner of the Russian Federation. And I can't really quantify how, the, how much that costs them, yeah. but um, th that's obviously expensive as well. But just the um, uh, uh, subcontractors, I would say that since my whole conflict began, they probably spent about $50 million dollars coming after me on, on outsiders. And I have no way of quantifying the, the insider stuff, but, but I, I would say that there's probably officials in at least 20 different countries um, in their foreign ministries and their spy agencies um, that are gathering information about what I'm up to and, and um, trying to create um, reactions to what I'm going, coming up with and, and so on and so forth. That's, uh, you mentioned Washington, and that was a part of where I wanted to go with this. Um, so you believe that there are folks working in Washington on behalf of Russia uh, in this venture? It, it's been proven, and, and it's quite an interesting story, which is that, um, uh, as, as many people remember, there was a famous meeting at Trump Tower with a, a Russian lawyer named Natalia Veselnitskaya, yes. um, who met with Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort. They were there to um, uh, organize and try to uh, advocate for the repeal of the Magnitsky Act, which imposes visa sanctions and asset freezes on Russian government officials that were involved in human rights abuse, including the murder by lawyer. Um, but in that case, and it's all come to light, um, they were spending serious money on on a, a, a guy, a former Wall Street Journal reporter Glenn who Simpson. set up a, an investigation firm named Glenn Simpson, the founder of uh, uh, Fusion GPS, yeah. uh, which is none other than the same firm that was hired by various people to um, take, gather information on, on Donald Trump. Yeah. So, and, and if correct me if I'm wrong, but that same week that they were in New York uh, meeting with the Trump team, they came to Washington right after that. 
to some event at the museum here in Washington. Is that is that correct? That is correct. They, they, um, uh, one of the things which had been put together by the Russian government, it was a, a, um, a movie um, which, uh, which basically intended to spread a bunch of disinformation about how Sergei Magnitsky came to die and about his, what his role was, and which accused me of perjuring myself in front of Congress. And uh, it was a sort of what I called anti-Magnitsky movie, um, totally tr uh, falsified movie. And, and they um, organized a screening of the movie at the Newseum, um, which is a museum of free speech in Washington. And it was organized under the auspices of one member of Congress who, who's, who's widely considered to be Putin's favorite congressman, an Orange County Republican named Dana Rohrbacher. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this movie was put on at the museum uh, in, uh, I believe it was uh, early, uh, second week of June. And um, it was a complete failure and a flop, but um, it was part of a, a big effort. And it was uh, uh, one of the people promoting the movie and trying to get stories written about it in various newspapers was this Glenn Simpson. They also hired another um, Wall Street, former Wall Street Journal reporter, a guy named Chris Cooper from a, a firm that he had set up called Potomac Strategies. And then, of course, they also had Renat Akhmetchen, the famous other Trump Tower participant, yes. former Russian uh, military intelligence officer. Um, what I, what I, I don't actually believe the former part because there's no such thing as a former Russian intelligence officer. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and these guys were hard at it at that, on those days, both uh, at the museum and, and on Capitol Hill trying to change the direction of Russian sanctions yeah. policy. We're talking with hedge fund manager Bill Browder, who says the Russian government has tried many times to kill him. And when we come back, he makes clear he's not the only person the Russian government has tried to kill or has already killed, including a possible murder right here in Washington. Um, there are some rumors, and I, I have no way of knowing whether this is true or false, that. He was cooperating with, with U.S. law enforcement. Um, if it was the case that he was, um, that would create a very strong uh, incentive for the um, uh, Putin regime to kill him because they kill all traitors or, or threaten to kill all traitors. That's when we come back on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. We've been talking on this episode with Bill Browder. He's an American-born hedge fund manager. He says the Russian government has tried numerous times to kill him. And as we continue our conversation with him, he points out there are situations where others may have been killed by the Russian government, including a suspicious case right here in Washington. Bill Looking at Washington specifically, and part of the the, pre the premise for getting in touch with you this 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 time is because of the fact that there is an effort in Washington that's gaining steam from uh, members of Congress and from what I can tell the 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 law enforcement community to take a look back at some suspicious deaths that have taken place in the U.S. and one of them was Mikhail Lesson who died uh, at a uh, hotel uh, here in Washington. Uh, and he, is, a, as I understand it, was a very close um, ally at one point of Vladimir Putin. 
but the death is, has been really kind of mysterious because supposedly it was uh, uh, an undetermined death and then it came back as, as, as an accidental death. But the law enforcement uh, folks and intelligence people I speak to say that is just complete BS. They don't believe it. What are your thoughts? Well, let's start out and look at who the person was. So Mikhail Lesson um, was effectively the, the father of, of the Russian propaganda um, operations uh, uh, internationally. He was the, the, uh, involved in, in all of the uh, uh, Russia Today and all this other type of stuff, which, is, which has been, become this widely acknowledged Russian, Russian propaganda effort. We also know that um, he was a very wealthy man. Um, he has mansion. He had mansions in Beverly Hills, several. Um, he had a, a super yacht, um, and we also know that uh, Senator Roger Wicker, um, Republican from Mississippi, had written to the Department of Justice, um, pointing out um, the uh, uh, alleged corruption of Mr. Lesson and all the money he had accumulated in the United States, and asking them to look into his affairs. And um, so that's what we know as a fact. We also know that he was in Washington. And I should point out, this is a billionaire guy. And he was staying at, at, at a sort of modest three-star hotel, which, which raises a lot of suspicions right off the bat. I know Russian billionaires, none of them would be caught dead at the DuPont Circle Hotel. Uh, they would be at, 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 at the top suite in the top five-star hotels in Washington. So that was kind of odd. Um, there are some rumors, and I, I have no way of knowing whether this is true or false, that he was cooperating with, with U.S. law enforcement. Um, if it was the case that he was, um, that would create a very strong uh, incentive for the um, uh, Putin regime to kill him because they kill all traitors or, or threaten to kill all traitors. And so th there's enough suspicion here that it did seem odd to me um, uh, when, when the U.S. authorities claimed that he died of natural causes and there was nothing suspicious about his death. And I fully uh, encourage and, and hope that there is a much more uh, transparent and clear explanation of what happened there because I, I, I'm, I'm in the camp of believing that, that this was not an unsuspicious death. So back to your story. Thank you for diverging there for a minute. Back to your story. As each day passes, do you need to change your security process because of your concerns about the evolving attempts to get to, to come after you? Well, my, my security process consists of, of many things, many of them I can't talk about. Yeah, but without, without, I, getting I, into, without getting into specifics, because we don't, want to, we don't want to do that. But, you know, just generally. What, what I can say is that I've been on, on a high level of alert for a long time. Um, uh, the issues around assassinations of dissidents and enemies of the regime um, have been present um, for a lot longer than just these terrible, this terrible incident in the UK recently. Um, there was another incident involving a whistleblower in our case, uh, a Russian man named Alexander Perepolichny, um, had who was a member of the criminal group that um, stole the $230 million that, that my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, exposed and was killed over. This man, Perepolichny, had fallen out with his co-conspirators. He had come to London he had provided us with information, compromising information, exposing his co-conspirators and their Swiss bank accounts. Um, we took that information to the Swiss law enforcement authorities who froze the accounts, and all of a sudden the guy drops dead 
in outside of London in Surrey in 2012. Uh, and, and it's similar to the Washington, D.C. case we just discussed. The police said there was nothing suspicious about it. But since 2012, at least, and even before that, uh, we've been on high alert. And, and I have all, all sorts of security protocols, which um, most people couldn't imagine um, to deal with this. But it's not just the physical violence. It's also what I would call the administrative violence that they try to inflict on me. Um, Russia has gone to Interpol, the international police organization, um, six times to have an international arrest warrant issue for me. And the purpose of that is to try to get me arrested when I'm traveling and then extradited back to Russia so they could kill me at leisure in their own facilities. And so uh, I've been having to struggle with that over the last number of years. And then there's all the lawsuits coming at, at me where they're trying to get information from me, where they're trying to get my money, where they're trying to discredit me. Etc. And so it's a full-time job, uh, either on offense against the Russians or on defense, as I've just described. Bill, as you look at other developments, like the death of Vitaly Cherkin, supposedly uh, of a heart attack in the UN last year, who just happened to, by the way, um, be very close to Mr. Putin uh, and had known him for a number of years and their their relationship intersected with that of a young Donald Trump years ago. Surprising to you, his death? Well, that, that death, I, I have no idea. I mean, people do die of heart attacks. I don't know the circumstances. Um, uh, the way I look at it is that every death of a Russian, important Russian, should be treated suspiciously until, um, until it's ruled out. So one, one has to sort of flip the burden of proof. You should prove that it's an innocent death as opposed to prove it's a suspicious death, which is not normally the way you work, look at, at someone dying. But because there have been so many murders um, coming out of Russia, um, and, and he has a high, high profile person, um, I, I, uh, you know, one, I, I would, I'd have to be convinced that it wasn't suspicious in my own mind um, as opposed to the other way around. I've seen recently that um, there are numerous um, uh, there's quite a bit of progress in in the Magnitsky Act process in other in in Europe specifically. Um, you know, I, I saw not too long ago that the Netherlands is pushing for an EU level type Magnitsky Act. What can you tell us about that? Well, basically, um, uh, Russia uh, people. So I, I've been I've been advocating all over the world to get a Magnitsky Act in place in Europe and in U.S., Canada, Australia, South Africa, Ukraine. Um, and it's all kind of coming to fruition all at the same time for one simple reason, which is that Russia and Vladimir Putin have been so badly behaved on the world stage, uh, uh, launching terrorist attacks using chemical weapons in Salisbury, um, supporting Assad as he gasses his own people with chemical weapons, um, interfering in every different political process everywhere, that um, he's kind of making the case for me that that we need to have some tool to respond to that. and. And the Magnitsky Act is the perfect tool because it's very, very um, elegant in that it doesn't sanction the whole population of Russia, which uh, arguably they're not the ones responsible for all this stuff. But what it does is it sanctions the individual, um, the individual villains, and and they really hate that in Russia. And it's really a very good policy. And as every Western government scrambles for a policy to deal with Russia, which is doesn't have to, you know, non-military policy, this is probably the perfect. Answer And so we now have um, uh, Magnitsky legislation pending 
in Denmark, in Sweden, in the Netherlands, as you mentioned, uh, in France, um, in Australia, uh, in, in Ukraine, and in South Africa. And every day I'm getting calls from lawmakers in other countries um, testing out what, 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 what the possibilities are, how they would go forward, and we're sharing information. And I suspect that we'll have a lot more countries on the boil pretty soon. Last thing here. As the Mueller probe continues, the Senate Intelligence Committee probe, and there may be others looking into alleged Russian collusion and other activities, is there a thing or two, a, a single element or a few elements that that should be looked at that would bring more clarity to uh, any kind of criminal probe of, of all of this? Well, I... I... I, I, I can't really second guess the Mueller probe. I mean, uh, Robert Mueller is probably one of the most accomplished. Um, um, he's one of the most accomplished people in the, um, in the world of, of um, uh, law enforcement. Yeah, but and, I'm just thinking of something that maybe not Mueller, but I'm saying us, you know, untrained people aren't seeing. Well, in, in a certain, so it, it always comes down to following where the money went. Um, we've, we've learned so much, so, so much in the Magnitsky murder investigation to fall by following the money and that's just so such a, so clear when we do follow the money um, what we learn and and um, uh, in, in our case we discovered that one of the reasons that Putin is so sensitive about the Magnitsky case and why he's sending people to Trump Tower and so on is that he got some of that money and so in, the, in every part of this Russian investigation if one can look for where that money went if you can get information if there's whistleblowers if there's leaks that's that. That's the key to determining um, who's involved and how they're involved. And, and the trouble for the bad guys is that money leaves an indelible trail. Um, you can't get rid of it. And so eventually, all the information about the money will come out. And that's the key to everything. Bill Browder, thank you. Stay in touch. Look forward to talking to you next. That's it for this episode. Coming up in our next program. My name is uh, Tudor Ulyanovsky. I'm the Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs and European Integration of the Republic of Moldova. Mr. Ulyanovsky had a conversation with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov. As you may know, Moldova has a problem with Russia, as does many of its other neighbors. You see, Russia has troops on Moldovan soil, troops they don't want. And uh, uh, my Russian counterpart has clearly reiterated that Russia supports Moldova's territorial integrity, sovereignty and independence. And in this case, we say officially that if we have and we see that Russia officially supports Moldova's territorial integrity, meaning that Transnistrian region should be a part of the, of the country, well, we say if you want to help in this process, remove the troops and munitions. <laughs> get the troops out. Get the troops out. Get the guns out, get the weapons out. Exactly. To which he responds. Uh, to which he responded that these troops are keeping the peace. But as Russian aggression in the region continues to flourish, peace may be a fleeting idea. An in-depth conversation with Tudor Ulyanovsky, foreign minister from Moldova, coming up on our next Target USA. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA. 
the National Security Podcast. Shut it down! Hi, I'm John Taffer. You probably know me because I've rescued thousands of bars, hundreds of them on TV. That's your future broken! I'm also a best-selling author, and I've owned and operated a bunch of other businesses. But now, I'm here on Podcast One with my new show, No Excuses. I only yell at calls. Every Tuesday, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm giving you all things Bar Rescue, insider peaks of what's going on on the set, current events and topics you care about, with in-your-face analysis, and you know how straight I can be. And I'm going to have unforgettable guest interviews with the world's most interesting people, and I'm going to ask them the questions that nobody else has ever asked them. And yes, sometimes I can be a bit of an ass, but I'm going to shut it down every Tuesday and make no excuses. It's going to be the number one show here on Podcast One. Listen to it every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, on the Podcast One app, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember, rate and review it, or I'm going to shut you down. Now. 